the year is 2038. America's new president won with a simple, snappy campaign slogan. Kill the rich. Pre-order the new book, Kill the Rich by Jack Allison and Kate Shapiro at killtherichbook.com. Today, it releases September 12th, but get your pre-orders in today at killtherichbook.com. On with the show. Hello everyone, welcome to Struggle Session. I'm your host, Leslie Lee III. I am also joined, as always, by Jack Allison. Jack, how's it going? Pretty good, Leslie. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for listening to us, whether it's on patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com or courtesy the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to all our subscribers. We really appreciate it. You help keep the lights on. And somebody tweeted me this, uh, and I love hearing this. This is my the, my favorite feedback that I ever get on the show is this. This one is like, yeah, I heard this show was good, but I'm going to wait till Struggle Session says it's good before I actually go and spend some money on it. And that is what I'm here for, to try to save you money. We put our bodies and minds on the line for you. <laughs> um, and, and in fact, some of the stuff we had to watch for today, um, sometimes I am like, this is too much. This it was is, damaging. This it was some, damaging. Sometimes some we have to take psychic damage on this show that I, I sometimes I'm like, do I need to walk away? If I have to watch Velma, do I need to walk away from this? No, we go out there bravely, like Joel and Ellie, <laughs> oh, out God. into the wasteland of modern American pop culture with your help and your support. And thank you so much uh, for that. We really appreciate it. But I really hope that it's a value. I hope that you you have saved money. You have decided, you know what, I'm just going to stay home and play an emulated video game instead of going to see some awful movie that costs too much. I, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're out here providing a service uh, is all I can think. That's the only thing I can think that'll help me uh, wrap my head around what we're doing here. Trying, yeah, trying to save you from the FOMO cost uh, that goes on in modern pop culture, basically. Yeah. And yeah, and especially relevant today, because Jack, today we're talking a couple of HBO Max uh, offerings, pieces of content. Well, one one is an HBO Right. Oh, yes. And the other is an HBO H Max. I mean, Max, it's it's yes. it's 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 now very confusing because everything goes on HBO Max. So some pieces are simultaneously content and a TV show. Um, <laughs> one of the ones we're going to talk about is only content. The other one is simultaneously content and TV and a TV show. and HBO Max and HBO. It's ever shifting. I did hear that they are going to. Uh, 
put this app with Discovery and just call it Max. They've all, thankfully they've already increased the price before they've added the, all the investigation Discovery stuff. They've already gotten us used to paying more for it. Thankfully, uh, you know, uh, and and well worth the cost for for fewer Looney Tunes episodes uh, and and more Velma. <laughs> yeah, because they took off a bunch of Looney Tunes. They've been taking off. And not just the racist ones either. Just like just a bunch, just whatever they feel like. And it's so sad because there are really a lot of good cartoons. There's lots of Adult Swim on HBO Max, but like they're starting to take stuff off. They took a lot of the DC stuff off. They took off Justice League, but then they brought us Velma. Unknown caller. Spooky. Hello? Velma Dinkley speaking. Hello, Velma. Do you like solving mysteries? Uh, yeah, but I'm actually much more three-dimensional than that. Who is this? That's the mystery. And solve it quick, because I'm in your house. A serial killer calling from inside my house? Yes, that's a classic, and that's my point. Why change anything when the classics all still work, right? Wait, you're inside my house! Oh, boy. Um, so I'm sure most people have heard of this show and think that it's supposed to be like a like a C-Lab 2021, a Brack show. You know, one of these shows where you're taking an old cartoon, Hanna-Barbera cartoon, and then you're updating it for uh, adult, the now adult audience, mostly kids who probably call it in reruns because the, the people who watch like watched like first run Scooby-Doo probably like in there like what 67 they, they're now. they're starting to pass away at this point you know the people that really were watching Scooby-Doo when it aired but but I I did watch not Scooby-Doo. lucrative doctor not a lucrative demographic but yes in the reruns there was whole there was whole day blocks of Scooby-Doo on you know Cartoon Network when I was a kid and I definitely would sit there's something very watchable about old Scooby-Doo. I guess because it's a procedural. <laughs> yes, it's exactly just a procedural. <laughs> it. A procedural for children. That's what. And I remember so vividly being like four, being like four years old, and at preschool, uh, like daycare preschool, and waiting, waiting to watch TV. And the only TV show I liked that they played, only cartoon I liked that they played, was Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo was my motherfucking jam. I hated the Flintstones for some reason. I don't know why. I like the Flintstones now, but I love Scooby-Doo. I think because it was a little bit spooky and creepy and it had a little bit of investigation to it. I still like it in procedurals now. And Scooby-Doo, I really think, is just a fine, fun cartoon show. And it this is not the first time it's kind of been adultified, you know, the James Gunn penned Scooby-Doo live action movie, which is good, by the way, <laughs> which I will say is good as hell. It's funny. It works for kids and it has all the in jokes about sex and drugs that and they're fun and they work. They're actually not bad. Maybe that's the restraint that James Gunn needs. He has to write jokes that are like PG like and then his sense of humor it can just be a little bit uh more than just uh the random curse words and shit but i really really like that old scooby doo movie uh i guess it's old now it's like 20 years old now that was a fun adult update to scooby doo all right and i'm sure people when they heard about velma thought that's what this was going to be but it is absolutely not scooby doo ain't even in it there's no dog <laughs> 
in the show. Scooby is not in the show. Probably what will end up happening is the end of... I, I feel like there's going to be an end of season reveal or something that Shaggy's like, I think I'm, I'm thinking of adopting a dog or something like that. Like yes. we're, we're on the two season arc here where, you know, Scooby is going to learn to talk before our eyes. We'll see the origin of Scooby learning to talk. The real feel I get from this watching this show is not that it's because it's not even like a parody of Scooby Doo. A lot of people, a lot of articles refer to it as a Scooby Doo parody. It's not parodying Scooby Doo. I would not be surprised if the people who, uh, if the person who w- wrote this show has maybe never seen an episode of Scooby Doo before he was hired to write this show. Because this show actually feels like a completely different adult cartoon uh taking advantage of maybe like the true crime but bros at the time because the show was about like velma trying to find out who a real serial killer is while she was in while she's in high school and she's working with like police detectives and shit like that it's so far afield from like and what you anybody would think of as a scooby-doo parody it actually calls itself a prequel to scooby-doo that's like the first thing you learn all of this takes place before scooby and the gang are friends they all hate each other uh at this point like the first thing velma does is like try to murk kill daphne like she like Eats her with a pipe in the shower for some reason. It does not feel at all like an attempt to adapt the actual show to adult comedy or anything. I think that this is trying to sort of straddle a lot of different tones. Um, and first of all, I, I want to say that it's absolutely fucking wretched. Like, the humor is bad. There's, like, no sort of... There's no grounding in any kind of reality. It kind of expects us to care about these characters and the ongoing story while selling out, uh, you know, any reality, you know, at any time for a joke. Um, I think it's close. It's I think it's trying to be maybe close to like Adventure Brothers as far as like an uh, updating a corny old, you know, children's cartoon to be quote unquote adult. I think it's trying to get to that, you know, or that's what it's sort of attempting to do. Um, But it's also doing this really annoying Lord and Miller style meta humor. You know, it it is. And you're right. I don't think that it's really a take on Scooby-Doo at all. It's really a lot more uh, a parody. I mean, I haven't watched any of these shows, but I, I get the sense because the writing tells us explicitly that this is the case, that it's trying to parody more like um, things like uh, uh, Riverdale. Riverdale like sort of CW teen shows because and I and I only know this because the writing tells us explicitly nonstop they're like on CW teen shows this is what would happen and I'm like and as a quote unquote joke um but yeah I mean this is such a strange show because it it is simultaneously sort of expecting us to care about prequel logic like we're supposed to care about how Velma found her glasses why she started saying jinkies uh, and we're also supposed to care about a sort of ongoing you know se- season wide murder plot line like we are actual spo- murder yeah, like in there's Scooby Doo like there's murder going on at the at the high school kids are getting killed um no they're not just getting killed they're getting their brains their brains excised, like brutally which i don't have a problem with i wouldn't even have a problem with that in like if this were a more legitimate take 
on Scooby-Doo. If you want to make an adult Scooby-Doo cartoon, have actual killings, okay, fine. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But it is like, as you say, Jack, is is just more like a random CW teen murder well, it, show. It's that, more like a parody of one of those yeah. that also simultaneously expects us to care about the season-long murder while, you know, the episode-by-episode, beat-by-beat of, like, solving the murder is shit like... Fred is pretending to be a baby at court or whatever, and then, like, you know, slips and falls and looks like Hitler instead. It's like, again, that's what I mean by, like, you know, it is wanting us to care about all this stuff while simultaneously being willing to sell all of the reality of it out for a joke at any given moment. The jokes also are bad and not yes. funny um, and are these kind of, like, really TV writer-centric like Lord and Miller jokes where they're sort of like referencing the things that are expected by executives and stuff. Like in the first episode, Velma tells her backstory and I think Fred is like, wow, I immediately understand the stakes, but also your personal connection. And I'm like, I am so bored by this and <laughs> I get why that's funny to the executives who sent that to you in an email and they're like, oh, ho, they've the paraphrased us directly in the actual script. But it's stuff we We've seen before um it's you know we've seen all of this in fucking everything that lord and miller has done it's actually gotten pretty exhausting from lord and miller at this point um it doesn't work you know in the way that and, and here's what I, where i think you know venture brothers kind of did this update of johnny quest and this sort of meditation on all these kind of hannah barbara adventure shows um and it was funny too, but all the humor in that show was really very character based. You know, it was really very much like about characters interacting with each other and their weird anxieties and their strange personalities and everything like that. It wasn't often, and and if anything, if it was meta in any way, it was like, oh, this is how these characters would have actually turned out. You know, the boxcar children were homeless teens living in a boxcar in the woods. Like, what? How would they have actually turned out? It's not like you know the venture brothers being like gee on a show like this we would like unmask the guy and it would turn out to be that you know the guy it's like it was all very character based and so when that show you know wanted to sort of play with its own history and the emotions of the characters and expected us to care i would say it actually worked you know um Versus, yeah, because it it's really strange to say about these ridiculous cartoons, but there is heart. Like you need a you need a sense of verisimilitude within the universe in order to pull those heartstrings. Or you, know? you don't, and then you don't try to pull heartstrings or make us yeah. care about stupid bullshit. Like the other alternative is C Lab. You know what I mean? Like C Lab just was straight straight up nothing but funny straight start to finish like it's not trying to like make us care about the characters the characters can like die in one episode and be back the next episode and it's just trying to relentlessly be funny and it still doesn't do the stupid meta humor like it was mostly doing sort of surrealist humor and just using these animation loops from an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon but you know Velma sort of cherry picks from a bunch of different adult cartoon styles um, and creates a mishmash that is frankly wretched and really hard to watch uh, and tonally extremely annoying. Yeah, and it's I ha it has to be said, the show is just not funny. I say maybe one in Tinjo's land, and that's mostly because of like, 
um, the performance by um, Glenn Howard and when he's playing Fred because he just sells he either wrote, rewrote some of this shit or like just really fucking sells it because his stuff was sometimes like funny but this has a good cast a serviceable cast but the writing is just atrocious and we have to name and shame the man behind it a man named Charlie Grandy. Yeah, some guy, some sort of just fucking office writer. I swear to God, everybody that worked on The Office, you know, that show just sort of, I think it's because it was like the last sitcom, like the last sitcom when everybody watched network television. But if you just were, did any job on The Office, you just get to work forever and you, and you don't have to like work hard or have any talent at all. His history is actually a little bit deeper than that. It has a couple of your other favorite references for where comedy went wrong. Uh, so he had a tour of duty with Saturday Night Live from 2001 to 2008. And Jack, would you care to guess where he graduated college from? Uh, could it possibly be that that old standard Harvard Yes, he graduated uh, from Harvard, wow. Jack. Wow. I got I, I I got a couple more to hit you with. A la- is would he a lampoon you... writer? Did he was he a lampoon? Uh... See, that I that I don't know. I would okay. just assume. I, okay. I would just assume that I didn't <laughs> dive in that deep into what exactly he got up to at Harvard if he was in the skull skull and bones and that stuff. Uh uh his father was also at Harvard before. He so he's a second generation Harvard man. And wow. second generation SNL because <laughs> his father. Oh, okay, he's is one of these certain... famous nepo babies that people are yes, talking he's about a neco, these days. Nepo baby for a gentleman by the name of Fred Grandy. Mm. Who most people, if you hear that name, that's going to tickle a couple things in your ear. Maybe if you watched a bunch of reruns back in the day, you will recognize him as Gopher. Uh-huh. The oh man, that's so funny. That is so funny. This is Gopher Spawn? We have to watch this shit because of Gopher Spawn? Well, let's not sell Gopher short because he was so much more than uh, Gopher. Fred uh, Grandy uh, uh. went into politics. Do you want to guess which party? Of course, the Republican Party in well, I Iowa. Was gonna say, I was going to say the, the, the socialists, but you're telling me he was a Republican? <laughs> After p- being into politics, he eventually got into talk radio, right-wing talk radio, and he actually... <laughs> Uh, pulled an all-time wife guy move. The things you do for the people you love. Oh, yeah. Um, He had to resign from his radio show because his wife has said, uh, made extremely Islamophobic statements. Uh, And so this radio station was like, we're going to fire your wife. And he was like, I, I... I'm not going to allow that. I'm, I'm a two stand up a guy to allow that. So he wow. quit too wow. as well. And this is the guy. And this, he's the father of the guy who's writing Velma, which I we do have to note as we do on Struggle Session, was marketed, pre-marketed as being a show of some sort of social justice. They were, we were taking back Scooby-Doo because yes, there is race bending. Shaggy is black. Velma is, I, I believe, Indian and... Uh, uh, and um, Daphne is Asian. Yeah, and and, and her moms just, are lesbians who are also in a mixed les- race couple as well. This is and the shit. Be- by the way, it's so funny. It's like they do that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that I could give a shit about. I don't care whatsoever. Like, do the race mix it. Like, do the race switching. Uh, Scooby Doo. Like, all all power to you. Who fucking gives a shit? Have black Shaggy now. Don't have straight edge Shaggy. Oh God, that's so- straight edge black Shaggy is racist. Yeah, I'll say it right now. <laughs> 
is fucking racist. It's so offensive. Why? And it's not even funny. That's the worst part. It's not even funny because it's not like Shaggy was actually a stoner in Scooby-Doo. That was all of us kind of, you know, reading between, between the lines and making a joke about the culture. He wasn't, a, he didn't actually smoke weed on the show. So, like, coming back and, like, making it explicit. I hate drugs. I don't like drugs. I never want anything to do with drugs. What are you responding to? Like, you're not responding to the show itself. You're responding to jokes people made about the show. It's weird because if they're going to like later say he discovers and gets into weed or something, that's not really like a part of what the show is about. But whatever. I, I just really found it wretched. Um, you know, and this is also one where sort of, you know, I, I feel like most of the critical consensus on this has been that it's bad. So yes. this is one where at least there's some sort of relief in that, you know, the uh, culture is not, you know, t telling us the uh, that. You know, the new Velma is amazing or something like that. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, just a really unfun watch. Not a good time. What are some of the adult cartoons in this vein that you did enjoy from back in the day? Granddaddy of all this is has got to be Space Ghost, to be honest with you. Like, I feel like we even forget kind of that Space Ghost was, you know, a superhero adventure cartoon at one point and wasn't didn't come to us first as a talk show host. You know, um, let me tell you something, Jack. I used to love Space Ghost as a kid. And I remembered the ads for when Space Ghost Coast to Coast was coming out. And I was so excited. Oh, that's so funny. And I was so fucking pissed when I saw it was like a fucking like talk, late night talk show with like celebrities, you know, like B-level celebrities. I was so mad. I was so angry because I was like, oh, we finally got Cartoon Network. I can finally get, watch Space Ghost now. It's fucking this shit. That is so funny. That's very funny. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, Space Ghost is one of the greats, you know, that uh, uh, I feel like, you know, it's a formative time in my life when I got Cartoon Network and started staying up late and watching Space Ghost. And yeah, I feel like for so many people, we don't even think of it as the adventure cartoon. But of course, there's also C-Lab. C-Lab is, you know, uh, uh, like another sort of foraging from the trash and making it making something beautiful out of it um i really love c lab i i still watch it every so often now it's just so fun did you ever it's watch so did you ever watch frisky dingo the sort of between yes frisky dingo fucking rocks uh um, it does it does i, never, I need to I watch never, it again. i never caught i never ended up finishing all of archer uh, which I know is by the same, you know, people, but uh, Frisky Dingo, I was a big fan of. And Frisky Dingo somehow does work where it does have a serialized plot, um, but it also is has this sort of C-Lab surreal ridiculousness. Um, and somehow Frisky Dingo really does straddle that line um, that, that Velma is failing at uh, and works really, really well. Yeah, I used to dig Harvey Birdman a lot. I thought that was a pretty fun show, very fun concept. Like, nothing was better than, like, a Sunday night at the dorm, getting to watch, you know, fucking Adult Swim. You've been, Like, you, Saturday night, you go out, you party, you, stay, you rave all day, all fucking night and in the, into the morning. You come back to your dorm, you sleep from about 11 a.m. to about 11 p.m., and you get up and you watch... Get some adult swim down in the common area. That that was living, Jack. That was living. Yeah, that was a different time, but it was, uh, yeah, you know, I I remember the adult swim days uh, uh, quite well too. And now I guess it's like, 
I guess it's, you know, now it's just all Rick and Morty, I understand. I don't turn it on anymore, but I, I understand that it's a block of nothing but Rick and Morty or something. It's, well, not anymore, Jack. I guess we ha- we all have mentioned if we were talking about ca- cartoon shows. Uh, Justin Roiland, uh, get his ass out of here. Shut down the Rick and Morty industrial complex. Jack, did you know this motherfucker was making video games and shit? Like, there's a new game on on Xbox, on, like, the Xbox Game Pass that I, I didn't look at because it didn't seem that interesting, but when you, I actually, after all this came out about Justin Roiland being like a complete, undeniable fucking creep and predator, uh, it, it, I looked at this game, and it's like him doing all these voices in this like goofy first-person shooter, and it's all the same voices that he does on Rick and Morty, and it's like, huh, who the fuck would, who likes this crap so much that you will play a whole video game of like the gun like talks to you in his fucking voice. That's how like annoying that shit is. I could not believe it. I'm really shocked that it took this long for all this to come out because yeah, like there were Tumblr posts. Like I'm not even talking about like within Hollywood, although there were stories like within Hollywood, there were like Tumblr posts about him doing grooming texts like fucking five years ago like it's like this has been this is post fame some of the yeah, stuff he's been i mean doing, yeah when know? he like this... he's like up for like l- literally like felony domestic abuse and imprisonment and shit like the man might go to prison for seven years um but i still wonder i'm like i don't know what the fuck is going to happen with the shows because he has such a huge complex of shows like you said the rick and morty industrial complex there's so much going on i think they're still not providing comment about this like Cartoon Network and all the you know places that work with them because I think they're trying to see whether or not his fans will actually care you know part of me thinks you know that they might just get rid of him and be like well now we own the intellectual property and we'll have someone else do the annoying fucking voices you know and maybe you'll actually produce more than seven episodes across five years now that it's not going to be run by uh, an insane man but um, I don't know I I yeah, it's it's wild that that this the the severity of it is is obviously shocking. Um, it, it was also surprising that a lot of the grooming stuff took this long to to really sort of catch on, while this man was just like making every cartoon and and just minting money and commercials, um, tons of commercials and tie-ins with you know some of the biggest brands. When you Jack, you you saying wall to wall Rick and Morty is actually kind of funny because when you watch Rick and Morty, like half the commercials are Rick and Morty commercials with that they've done with cross branding with other brands where they'll do a voice to do a little story for whatever brand it is pepsi or whatever the fuck i don't know what the hell's gonna happen with rick and morty and i i i do wonder if me too is is so over you know that they're gonna continue to make these shows with them i'm like are they can he just record from prison or something like you know it's just voices like a rapper like shine uh <laughs> godfather buried alive recording the fucking rick and morty season eight i did mention on the show last time that vince is back and uh in wwe and he's like fully like taken over now just a brief update on that uh whether me too is over or not i think uh it definitely definitely is I mean, yeah, they're like, I'm just looking up right now and it's like Hollywood Reporter TV partners are silent on Justin Roiland. I'm, it's like, I think that they are just going to try to keep making the money. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it's, it sucks. I don't know what else to say. 
And moving on to the other adaptation, a much, much more direct one. In fact, one of the most direct adaptations that I've ever seen. Craig Mazin's HBO's HBO original, The Last of Us. Now, Jack, you do you need to make a statement up top, you know, because you and Craig have gotten into it in the past. We, but we're fair critics, you know. I don't, I, don't, I think people know that we, we're fair to these people. And if we, we're, we're, we're fair judges of their work. We don't hold any personal grudges when it comes to the work. My God, we're critics. I guess, yeah. I, I have argued with Craig Mazin. I think Craig Mazin sucks. I think all of his work sucks. <laughs> um, and whether or not that influences my view of The Last of Us, I also think The Last of Us sucks. Okay, so let's get into it. Now, Jack, I don't think the show sucks. I thought the show was okay. It, it was fine. But it's based on what I would consider an exceptional video game so just doing an okay prestige tv show it's uh, a little bit disappointing i there's basically nothing in the show that doesn't nothing in the show that's good that doesn't come from the video game and i mean directly from the video game like so so direct too direct at times we'll talk about it in a minute and all of the any of the changes they made were to essentially dumb it down for TV. So I did find that a little bit amusing because the video game version of this story is a little bit darker, a little bit more complex, a little bit less obvious. While the show has to show you when Joel gives does his first kill, they have to show a flashback to when his daughter got shot in his head to let you know that, oh, Joel, he's not super, he's not been, you know, uh, turned into a monster by the horrible world he's lived in. He's just having a flashback to when his daughter died and he sees another child in danger. And so he beats a man to death. Like, that's just less intelligent than the video game. But I guess that's what TV is. Yeah, I, I, you know, am not as big a fan of even the game uh, as you are. Uh, I have, I, I don't, I think the tone of it strikes me as annoying. I don't think it's as smart as everybody thinks it is. Um, and, and you know, I, I really like the sort of swashbuckling adventure of an Uncharted uh, more than I like the dour, the sort of relentlessly sort of, I think, almost like immaturely... I, I think that's just taste at that point. Because, I mean, I think the video game obviously influenced by something like Carmack McCarthy's The Road. And I think, like, I don't think you can see, say, there's nothing in The Last of Us that happens that's any darker than what happens in, like, The Road or a lot sure. of, you know. Yeah, so I, I, I really, I think, I, think sure. I can understand, like, not liking, like, when I first heard The Last of Us announced, it's, we were already at the point where people kind of were rolling their eyes at the idea of zombies and zombie video games, well-worn territory. But when I look at something like The Last of Us compared to any of the writing on The Fucking Walking Dead, you know, The Last of Us looks fairly high level, even if a lot of the stuff has been done before, it's, it's, rarely been done better this stuff. I, I really I, 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 I 
disagree. You know, I haven't p- beaten the game, and so I am watching the show. Oh, you gotta finish. Oh, you gotta finish the game. Oh, you gotta finish the game. If, if you haven't haven't been in the game, then you might because the ending is a big part part of what I like well, about it. So I'm, you may. I'll, that's fine. That's fine. But we still have to talk about the show from the perspective of it being a show, and not with the knowledge of like what has happened in a video game. Like the show is its own thing. Okay, and so in a certain way, I'm happy that I like haven't beaten the game because it feels like so much of the like just like over the top reviews of this show are based on like future knowledge of things that people know are going to end up happening or something like that. Um, And so for me, watching the first episode of this show... I actually didn't think it was all that different from Walking Dead. Now, with that said, I also didn't watch Walking Dead beyond like the first season and a half. So perhaps I'm comparing it to when Walking Dead was in some people's opinions, quote unquote, good. I didn't even really like Walking Dead that much during that time. But watching this first episode of the show... And I've only seen the first episode of the show, and I don't know what's coming because it's not, you know, uh, this is a show and I don't have to, like, have foreknowledge from the game. Um, I didn't think it was, like, particularly interesting or breaking new, particularly new ground, really. Uh, it felt very much like the walking dead to me like if i if you if if i had tuned in and this was a called a walking dead spin-off um what we saw is a pretty traditional like hero guy needs to save a special girl kind of starting of one of those stories in fact i think there is even less like gruesome special effects and like horror than you maybe would want to see from something oh, like this. Oh, there's no, there's like no violence or, yeah. or, uh, or monsters in the first episode of this one. And so comparatively to like Walking Dead, I think it actually like loses on, uh, on that particular front. Um, and as far as like the characters, uh, the introduction of the characters, the story itself, um, I didn't really see that much special going on in this show. I mean, we've, like the character motivations are pretty basic. Our introduction to Tess is also pretty basic. I think the performance is good, um, but I don't really think that a lot of them had very much to work with. Um, and as far as this first episode is concerned, it's pretty much, it feels like a very simple, like video game, you know, quest beginning, you know, like there's a special girl. We don't know why she's special until the characters get in too deep. And now they're on their mission to go take her to the place where she needs to go. And there are zombies. Um, The look was nothing particularly new. The tone was nothing particularly new. The storyline was not particularly new. We haven't really gotten to see the monsters, so if they're different in any way, which I understand they're fungal, whatever, um, to me, it felt pretty bog-standard zombie show. Um, And I was really not that impressed with the first episode as someone who's not a Last of Us fan. Yeah, so there's nothing about the show that would differentiate it from The Walking Dead. And yeah, the first episode of The Walking Dead, probably the first season of The Walking Dead, probably going to be a lot better than this show because the show, it lacks so much of what makes the game, the like, the, it lacks a lot of the details to make the game more interesting and fun. And and as it goes on, I doubt that's going to change. If, th- if I did not, if this show were not called The Last of Us, I would not 
continue watching it under any circumstances. It would just be like, oh, this is a kind of mildly well put together. What? Well, not even that. I actually had to take that back because I wanted to get into the video gameness of it, and I talk about it on the show a lot. Movies influenced video games, and now for you know decades and now after you know maybe the ps3 to ps4 generation now we're getting a lot of movies that are influenced by video games and tv shows prestige tv shows influenced by video games and this show clearly obviously is going to adapt is is adapted from a great video game but it borrows a lot of the wrong things like the camera angle for some reason, so much of the action in this TV show is from a narrow, like, behind-the-back third-person perspective, which does look exactly like the game, but does not is not very cinematic. It's not very engaging on the TV when you're not actually in control of the controller and when you can't move the camera around at will. Like, there's so little sense of the scale and scope that you get in the video game very early on. Like, in... Like, this is a very expensive show, but I rarely felt like the people were actually walking through like a massive abandoned city. It was like these narrow, you know, walled, a walled off corridors that they were walking to. And that scene is straight from the video game. But in the video game, you can take a look around. You can you're moving through the environment. You feel the fidelity there. You don't get that sense from the TV show. It doesn't feel big at all, in fact. And that's a real failure of, you know, this first episode of, you know, trying to directly adapt things from the game that ends up being a negative when you're ta talking about, you know, just a regular movie or TV show. I'm a little perplexed why this show is getting such uh, incredible reviews. Um, I wonder if, I mean, I hate this this trend in modern TV, I wonder if it gets better. Uh, if you watch more episodes, I wonder if they gave the reviewers like four or five episodes or something like that so they could watch oh, till it you, but gets But you can't good. trust, you can never trust that. I I remember it, ha it first happened to us with Watchmen. Jack, this happened yeah, to us in sure. person when we were talking about, we were at, I, we were hanging out somewhere and someone was, t and I believe you said to me, oh, uh, I just talked to someone. They said, oh, the Watchmen is actually good. You just gotta get to like episode five and we were excited for it we believed it and then episode five gets there and it's like it's no different than the first yeah. previous four episodes like it's all the same shit i don't is it tv reviewer brain that if if the you, they send you a preview and if because it, it, it is exciting to get something to get a like preview new. i think there's also a feeling of like oh this is going to be a hit and i want to be part of the big thing or whatever but even if i'm trying but i'm trying to be nice you know what i mean like i'm trying to be you know uh charitable and i'm like because i really from this first episode don't see what there is to write home about. And I don't think that that's just my Craig Mazin um, aversion. Uh, I, I really, watching this first episode, don't see a great big difference from Walking Dead. And I even... You know, it's not smart to do, but I posted about a TV show on Twitter and said, I don't see how it's different from Walking Dead. And I feel like the responses I got from people that wanted to defend the show were all sort of things that were predicting the future. They were like, well, it's not going to it's going to have a satisfying ending, unlike Walking Dead. And I'm like, 
you could tell that from the first episode. You know what I mean? It's all these things. It's like either people that know the plot of the game and are excited for things that are going to come up from the game's plot or people saying like, well, assume presumably, unlike Walking Dead, it's going to stay good in the next season. I'm like, well, you don't fucking know that. Like, I don't know. All we have as normal people who didn't get the pre-release um you know, pre-review episodes is this first episode. And if I'm watching this first episode as a piece of entertainment unto itself, not that much exciting happened. Look-wise, performance-wise, story-wise, anything-wise, just don't see what there is to be so effusive about uh, in this. Anna Torf. I am a huge fan of Anna Torf. I think she's actually very, very good in this show. I love her character. I love Tess. But, Jack, I hope I'm not spoiling anything for you or the listener. Uh, may not want to get used to her. Um, and so, of course, like my, she is my favorite performance on the show. But as you said, Jack, she probably doesn't have that much to work with. Uh, and I don't know. And with the rest of the casting, some of it's fine. Some of it, I think, is not that great. I... How old is Bella Ramsey before I criticize her? She's 19. She's 19. Okay. Is this the little is this the girl that was like the little mean girl on on Game of Thrones that yes, everyone yes. was like, "Wow, she's like a little mean girl." All right, whatever. I'm mean, again, I think these performers are good. They just have nothing they're not being given anything unique to work with. I actually don't think Bella Ramsey is that good of an Ellie. I don't think I don't I'm not Big fan of the casting. I don't think she works. I think it seems very much like, oh, she was on Game of Thrones. She's, you know, well, HBO will put her on this other show. Like, I feel like Ellie was a very specific character, and I don't really feel like that's that's is because Ellie was not because it was nothing like her HBO character. I'm not sure what they're really doing with Ellie's character here. She seems nothing like the game. So I I actually may need to take that back. Maybe it's not the, act, the actor's uh, fault. It's, it's uh, some of the writing. Uh, the Car- Ellie feels very strangely unwritten. Did you have any, like, empathy or sympathy or concern for her? for her at all jack as someone coming to into this uh fresh and new i mean nothing really except for the fact that she's a girl a young girl who's like chained to the wall you know what i mean like it's really more situational like as far as like how she acts and who she is i'm really not seeing anything sort of beyond standard post-apocalypse you know plucky bad ass kid you know what i mean like there's really not that much that feels very unique about this show to me and i think that even makes sense because the game itself kind of came out in the height of like walking dead zombie craze and everything like that and people were like oh this is like an elevated version of the stuff we've seen a lot of and so you know this show is and and we and also part of the appeal was like oh it's so good you know for video games it shows that games you know can transcend or something and so folding back this thing that maybe transcended the medium that it was in back to the medium that it like was sort of imitating really just makes this seem all the more like an imitation well folks that was Velma and the last of us thank you so much for listening to Struggle Session, have a good one. Peace. Later.
like what you hear, want to hear more, check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.